Ray, welcome to our show. Uh, we have Ray, the CEO and founder, not the co-founder, just the founder. Co-founder. With your father? Right. Co-founder. co-founder. No, no, I know your father is your co-founder. Or yes. You and your father mm-hmm. co-founded Monet, which right. is a very... Monet. 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 Yeah, like modern nature. Okay. Yeah. All right. I know there's a lot of confusion and we officially have a song about how to pronounce. I thought it's like a French name, Monet. It's not from, yeah, it's Monet the, the from modern nature. Yeah, I don't mm. think so. Monet, Monet. So, yeah. Okay. Okay. So um, you're the founder. You're not going to sing the song on the podcast? <laughs> uh, you can have the mic. That is the right mic. Okay. So we have, so it's fair to say you're a billionaire and I think you're the first billionaire on our show. Thank you for manifesting that. And well, I mean, it is what it is. You have to you have to celebrate your successes. And um, I've I've met with you the first time in 2017, right? Yeah, I think so, right? Wow, 2017. Years, yeah. Yes, and I remember we met, and later on we went to grab lunch at the end of 2017, and that was the third year of business for you, and you made only 300 million in sales. Right. Yeah. Uh, yes. Disappointed about that. Yes, we're going to have to ask you a lot of questions, how one comes to a point that does that on a third year of business, making profit, doesn't raise, I guess, and uh, uh, how you came about doing that, what's important, I guess, now, when you're at that height compared to how it was before. Uh, we have a lot of questions, personal life, uh, but why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, well, um, I'm from Venezuela originally, so I moved uh, to the U.S. 22 years ago in 2000. I was with uh, moved with my wife. Uh, we were the first people in my family to actually move to the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, completely alone, six hundred dollars in our pockets, oh. uh, getting the bus in Miami with shocks. Right, public transportation is not great. Uh, found a few jobs, work at, my wife worked at McDonald's, I worked at Sears in the hardware department as a part-timer. I'm not a handyman uh, by any means, so it's terrible. But I uh, did a lot of things, pick up people at the airport to take them to uh, Calle 20 to uh, get the wholesale mm-hmm. shopping. Anything, anything. anything. Calle 20 is a place where all the wholesalers are, at least it used to be. In you know this place. So you, Calle 20 is, uh, for anyone that's not from Miami, or even if you're in Miami and you don't know, that's the place where you find all the wholesalers if you want to open a business. People would fly down mm-hmm. from Latin America mostly, and they would know. A lot of Latinos would know about that. So right. that's a known street for that. Right, so yeah, so I would go there, uh, drive people around for $100 a day, uh, then actually there, I started buying perfumes, designer mm-hmm. perfumes, and selling it door to door, to friends, little kind of jobs. And that's how we started our life here in America. Wow. That's, I mean, if anyone has any doubt that you don't need to start with money, here it is, a life example where, kind of like a, I heard this good analogy in a podcast where you say, listen, when you play poker, you can have a good hand and still lose. You can have a bad hand mm-hmm. and still win. The good players, it's not about what hand they have, it's how they play. Okay. So it doesn't matter where you came from life. Actually, I think you that... You can always make it. Because I talk about this a lot. I think if you have more resources, uh, you're going to be the less efficient mm-hmm. because you will waste so much. When you don't have resources, you just have to be smart about how you invest and spend those few dollars that you have, especially at the beginning of a company, right? Absolutely. And also because, so you come here, you don't have anything, you're trying to make ends meet. Do you think, do you think the, like you said, the hard work and the, and the need to support your family, do you think that gave you the edge? Almost like, um, like an immigrant edge. Right. 
Well, I think it's like you have no option, right? Uh, I remember I was moving a move here. My dad, who is my partner and is an amazing entrepreneur, has always been, but he was one of the first that told me, don't go, right? You're going to end up serving tables, watching cards. Was the point. I was middle class in Venezuela. Mm -hmm. I, wasn't, I wasn't bad. I was super young. Um, but I always said, no, they have to be better things to do, right? They have to be something better in life. But then when you move here as an immigrant, I think there is no plan B, right? Uh, it, mm. This is the plan A that you have. And when you don't have a plan B, you have to make it work. Yes. And that's the thing that you have, when people have something to fall on, I feel that they don't go all in. Because you always, in your mind, you always have, oh, but have a plan B. And your mind will always try to protect you, right? Your mind will always tell you the things and the reasons why you won't be able to make it. So that's, I think, what sometimes immigrants just give that extra mile. It was a, uh, the statistic I heard that uh, I think 89% of all entrepreneurs started from the bottom and the other 11% had something to show for. So that's a different motivation reason. Sometimes you feel you've sat down, and I, I know a few that came from money and made much more money, yeah. And but but it's not as much. First, you don't have too many people with money. That's a, that's the first thing. Let's, let's be fair about yeah. that. But then the ones that do find a reason, it's just you like to build stuff. It's, it's not or, because you're comfortable and they like to try something new. And if you sit down at a table and everyone's kind of like contractors buying, selling buildings and, you know, on the, on the dinner table, all, you hear all the men as a kid talking about buildings. It sounds easy for you, and you you don't think you don't put barriers, mental barriers. But that's why, because you were raised in this mindset, right? Like you you're raised in an entrepreneurial mindset. Right. So, I mean, for me, I had to break out of that because my family all had stable government jobs. They all had like you mm -hmm. know the nine to five, and that's safe, and that's not it's not a high risk lifestyle. So I had to break out of that versus somebody who's grown up with it all the time, and then you grow up and you're like, okay, my whole family. We all build things. All my friends build. How many things. people do you know that actually came from money and made more money than their parents? They came, not, none. Okay, I know one. I don't. Know I only many. know one person. I don't, I don't know. know I know a lot of people, but I only know one that had that story. I'm trying to think now. I don't think I know any that came from money and made more money than their parents. If anything, if anything, <laughs> they lost money. <laughs> oh, that, that's, that's the majority, right? And that's, that's the idea. When, when you look at poker, you can have great hand and lose it all. You can have bad hand and still win. And it's like in life where you see rich kids losing all the parents' money. And then you see poor kids making all the money to their kids that would eventually lose a lot of that money. I guess you could say that's, Elon Musk. Well, I don't know him personally. I know. So. I don't know I mean, I, I was busy. He keeps calling me, bugging me. I just stop. <laughs> but... Um, yeah, that's that's where you say anyone can make it, but that's that's a perfect story how you came in cleaning tables and uh, now let's let's talk about um, what how do you get into it? Uh, well, then after that, so I was lucky. Both my parents uh, were very entrepreneurial, right, or are very entrepreneurial. So they come from very 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 poor meaning, and they did direct sales. They did topper, right, mm. topper parties. And that's how they got out of poverty to middle class, gave me uh, a middle class too. So when I moved here in 2000, a year, two years later, my father called me and he had retired from Top World and um, had split with my mom, retired from Top World and completely went bankrupt. Right? Lost all his money because he started doing things that he didn't know about. Restaurants, mm. and, uh, construction, and lost all his money. So when I moved to the United States, he was broke, I was broke, and he called me, Ray Lex, why don't we open our own direct sales company? You know, I know direct sales, uh, you're there, maybe you can come up with something that we can sell and market, and it's like that. You're broke, I'm broke, how do we do this? Like, no, I think 
some of our, our relatives uh, want to invest with us and with that idea that we have, with this idea that we have. So we raised, initially we raised something like $80,000. We took that $80,000 from 2002 until 2010, and we make it in a $200 million company without uh, outside financing. So I was shipping products, I was making products here in the United States and shipping it to uh, Latin America, especially, uh, mainly Venezuela, and distributed there through Drexels. Interesting. And, and that, that was originally Monet? No, no, that was, that was a company before. that was called uh, Liu Ding. It was called Illusions initially. Mm -hmm. And then we went expanded to other countries because of trademark, as my Illusions was taken, we changed it to Liu Ding. And that, that was the company that we had to shut down in 2012 because the, you know, the, may, the mess that happened in Venezuela yes. with the government and um, currency So primarily you were selling in Venezuela. What's that where lion's share of the, of, the, of the business was? $200 million selling into Venezuela, direct sales. We're, yeah, we're the biggest wow. direct sales company there. Yeah, it was crazy. Interesting. Yeah, we're shipping containers with products from here and we're doing a lot of promotions like appliances and toasters and TVs. We're shipping it from um, yeah, Asia. We're shipping something like 1,500 containers a year. But this is, this is interesting. So you're saying your, your father was doing Tupperware, which he was working for an MLM company. He went out, cashed out, whatever, put all that money into something he doesn't know, lost all that money. Right. Then went back to what he knows, but thought, how can I actually make my own business like a Tupperware? Correct. And that's when you guys took off and, exactly. and changed and That's how life. we started doing it. We did it with $80,000. It wasn't nothing sophisticated. Our first catalog was a PowerPoint presentation. Uh, I didn't know what I was doing. I was 19, so uh, I, came, I came to do a bath and body line. And the first... You already married at the age of 19? I married at the age of 19, yeah. yeah we've been Interesting. Married. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Congratulations. That's thank amazing. You. Thank right? you. Actually, yeah. 18. Beautiful. Um, yeah, I've been dating Carolina since I was 16 years old. So. Nice. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so we did, we did, we did this business. And initially, I remember we started doing the products, um, loading my first container myself. I have the pictures actually posted in my Instagram the other day. Um, the first products was body lotions and body mist. The first shipment, 20% of it got lost because it was leaking on the on the, wow. <laughs> yeah. the, the labels were wrinkling. Uh, but you know what? We you started. need you need those errors in the beginning. It's never perfect. Yes. And I think that's another, if, if you want to talk about advice, I will tell people, never wait for the perfect moment because it's never going to happen. Right. Can I understand something too? Because I want to I want to um, define some things just for the audience. So direct sales, network marketing, MLM, what what's define these and are they the same? Are they different? It's kind of the same, kind of the same, right? Uh, I would say everything will fall into the direct sales umbrella. It's a great question. Um, because even I ask myself, sometimes we are defined by network marketing, but we did direct sales. When we did our first company, we, in our mind, we were not in network marketing. We're in direct sales. Normally, direct sales is more like I go to a party, maybe have one person under me uh, helping me or doing a, a team, mm -hmm. and that's it. Network marketing, you have different levels, right? So it's a little bit deeper. And actually, for me, network marketing was like the dark side. Like, uh, I'll, never, I'll never be one of those network marketing companies, but was in direct sales. But in reality, everything is, is direct sales, right? So what, is, what is the difference between a pyramid scheme that I'll say in a negative term versus the today's legal multi-level marketing mm -hmm. known as MLM? Yeah, it's very clearly defined by the FTC. Okay. So the FTC clearly says the difference between a pyramid scheme and an actual 
legal network marketing company is that you don't you have to have an actual product mm. right a tangible product to sell so what happened in the 90s um, for example is that a lot of these companies are still existing big companies could make a lot of money selling uh, video cassettes with training and that's not really a product mm. right? that's not really a consumable product and the FTC make, made it, FTC made it illegal so you cannot be selling training right or selling an audio that's not a product. You have to be selling something that people are going to use. But mm. there still have been MLM companies that have a product that still get into trouble because I feel like they don't push the product enough. Right. And they may, I think, is there like um, an FTC definition of how much revenue yeah. can come from one versus another? It's not clear. And that's an that's issue with the FTC sometimes that they want to put all these rules, but they don't black and white tell you what. Mm -hmm. Now, there is some background on what happened with Herbalife. And I think what they told them, uh, the ruling was with Herbalife, you have to have over 60% of your revenue coming from customers. Mm. You know? But there was a ruling that they made on Herbalife, and it's like a guideline. So let me, let me just, so the audience will understand. Yeah, it, you're basically selling company, you're selling people a business. They sell other people your product. So if I come to work for an MLM company like Monet or Herbalife, I go out, I pay a thousand dollars or so, I get a bunch of those products, and now my job is to go and sell it. And if anybody ever wants to buy those products, they have to go through a guy like me to buy them. So you sell me a business, I sell your product. Is that correct? Is that a fair? And then they say, well... Not necessarily, because you might come to Monet, and many of our market partners come and say, in fact, we have a new program. That so you can go and buy directly from Monet? Without? Not a customer. A customer has to buy through an um, independent market partner. Okay, so that, that was my, my idea. So you cannot just go and buy it from the company. There are no stores or online websites. Correct. You have to buy from a person that has their code that you go on a website and you buy through their code right. or you buy from the person directly. Which is directly. the same principle of an affiliate program, right? You yes. You have to buy through an affiliate. Yes, but a company doesn't have to sell their products through affiliates on an MLM. It must be distributed through your market, partner. market partners, correct? Okay. But so 60% would mean 60% of the revenue that you made would come from selling the, uh, the actual replenishment product for them versus selling the business to people. They're selling the actual package yes, for the first time. Exactly. Reason. Okay. Well, well, no, even, even better. Okay. Right? Or even most of the revenue of a company, for example, in my case, in the case of Monet, over 70% of my revenue comes from shipment that I do directly to a customer that has nothing to do with the opportunity. Mm. And I'll tell you why we do this and how we do it. In the past, right before technology, uh, and still many companies do it this way, I would sell the product to the distributor and I would expect that distributor to resell that product to a customer. Had no control. Right? Now with technology, what we did differently is that if you come into Monet and you enroll as a market partner, I'll give you a website. It's called mm -hmm. a replicated website. Right? So you get your website with your name on the URL and everything, whatever you want to put, uh, along with mymonet.com, and you go going and tell Scott, buy my product. Scott will buy from your website through the shopping cart and everything on your website, the company will ship the product to Scott. You don't even touch the product. Mm -hmm. It's different, it's a big difference because now I know for a fact that the product is going to an end consumer. In the past, I could give you all the inventory and what would happen is that maybe you wouldn't sell it mm -hmm. and end up with your garage full, full of, of product. product. Yeah. Yeah. Right? So that's the difference. We ship directly to the customer. So we know 
the sales, you know exactly what happened. And 70% of my... So no, most people don't hold the product in their garage. Most people just go and tell you, send it over. And then, but they still have to give you an amount deposit for product that you just get to hold in your facility, right? Not at all. No? Not at all. Okay, so you just sign up and you don't have to invest any money. You invest, most people invest $200. Interesting. So when you come to enroll, which you mentioned $1,000. Yeah. Still, companies doing that. We don't do that. I don't tell. I don't. We don't tell uh, a new market panel buy a thousand dollars. I don't want you to front load a bunch of products. You believe in your product, and you said yeah, I we can. We encourage yes. you to buy. There is a bigger packet yeah. uh, pa- package. We we'll call it product pack. I think it's now five hundred dollars. Uh, and we encourage you to like maybe try the whole line five hundred dollars. But you know what? Most I think I'm gonna say ninety percent of the people will come with two hundred dollars, and mm-hmm. that two hundred dollars. It's like three fifty worth of products. So you're actually getting the products. Mm-hmm. You might use it for yourself or show no. show it off uh, when you're trying to sell it. Right, or use it for yourself, whatever you want, or, or use it as a tool. But it's not a big investment. That's all the investment you make. Interesting. Two hundred dollars. That's it. Uh, and then after that, you start selling products. So this is turning into like a significant affiliate. This is almost like a, an affiliate program. Yeah. Almost. Very yeah. very close. Very close. Very close. In fact, uh, I just launched. We did a convention last month. It was a lot of fun. 10,000 people in St. Louis. Um, and I launched a new thing called affiliate program. Right? And what we're telling you is that you can start a business in Monate and you don't have to build a thing if you don't want to. You can just build your first few ranks, few of three ranks, based on just selling products, if you want. We still encourage you to build a team, but if you want, do it like that because it's so similar right, to mm-hmm. an affiliate program. And a lot of people are saying, oh, but uh, we love the products. I mean, Monet's getting awards. Uh, in publications, in Elt, in Fortune, in Glamour, Vogue. So like, I want to sell the product. I don't want to build a thing. So like, okay, sell products. And we have a bunch of people doing that. Yeah. So when, when you have 10,000 people coming to your show, explain that. Explain that. Like 10,000 people coming into one facility. What's because it? you just came. So we were having a conversation before, yes. and you just had a big conference where? St. Louis. St. Louis, and 10,000 people showed up. No. Actually, we had, we're arrested for 20,000. Okay. And we're less than that this time because um, plane tickets are very expensive and, you know, I think post-pandemic. But, yeah, but when we have over 20,000 arrested. And they all make money, I assume, because they flew down there, right? You have more than that amount, but, yeah. but then all those people actually turn. What's the highest paid type check you pay per month to one individual? Well, that's something I shouldn't say. Because okay. the FTC say don't say don't say income claims. Now there is an income disclosure statement, mm-hmm. right? Maybe I can mention it. There's a reg. There is an income disclosure statement which is public, and you can go monetary income disclosure statement. You can say you can see the average median income of each rank. I would say the highest uh, pay would be something like three million a year. Amazing. Yeah, for one person. Right? One person, and how many people grossed over a million dollar? You can't say. No, no, no. Are How many to, people combine? No, no, no. He's oh, yeah. allowed. No, no, I could say that. I, could say say that. that. I, don't, I don't know from the top of my head. Uh, you cannot mention other, but that, that you like can I could mention names, but uh, I don't know. Maybe from the top of my head, maybe 20, 30 people, 40 will make about a million a year. Amazing. Yeah. So you have, you have a significant amount of people over there, like anywhere else. You always have the top 0.1% or so that are the one that can... And that's the thing that sometimes frustrates me, right? Yes. Because they say, wow, everybody in, the co- in network marketing fails. 
But isn't it true for anything every business? Else in life? Well, I was going to say, if, if, exactly. you have, if you have 20, 30, 40 people that make over a million and the brand's done, the, the fulfillment's done, the product's created, and they just have to market it, mm -hmm. that's not a bad business idea in all seriousness. Because if you think about what you'd have to do to make a million dollars in even like drop shipping Amazon product, mm -hmm. You have to do if a you lot. go to a flea market and you know people are coming to buy and you create the environment for everything, you create a space, you, you create, okay, I know that I'll have multiple boots, I'll make more than a million a year. The flea market is going to have some winners, some losers, some people are going to come lose their money putting a boot and then waste their time and money. Some people are going to be big, yeah. right? It's the same with Amazon. Some people can make it. You create a marketplace, you create the infrastructure, you invest in everything else. And, uh, and let me ask you, in terms of tiers, how many tiers down? So if I brought Scott, Scott brought in Jenna, Jenna brought in Shaniqua, somebody just goes down. How many layers down is allowed to you by the FTC to have no, as an MLM? Not but everyone gets commission from the people no, underneath it? No, there's no rule for that. It, every compensation plan is different. Okay, so you have a compensation. If I brought 20 layers down, so I brought one person, that person no. brought another person, I'll keep going down and make commission on all the people with the Well, no, it's not inf infinite, right? And once again, depending on the, the, the highest the rank, the deeper you can go. Right. So um, normally it's like five, six levels, uh, depending on the rank. The so eventually it's less about how much you sell. It's about how much you solicit people to enter the program. It's both. Right. Once again, if you I mean, there are people making thousands of dollars a month just by retail commissions. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, and there is people making tens of thousands by building a team. Right. So it depends. It depends. Yeah. Interesting. But I was going to say about the, the failure because this annoys me a lot. It's like most people fail. Yeah, but if you just Google uh, SBA, what is a Small Business Association, yeah. right? isn't like 95% of it is, companies yeah. will fail after five years yeah, or something yeah. like that. So what's the difference, right? The difference is that here, you almost have, you all only have to invest 200 bucks. 200 bucks. Yes, you don't and your time. And your talent. Yeah. What's the world that could happen, right? Uh, and they say, oh, but you're, gonna, you're, you're scheming people for $200. No, because the average median average income from my first rank is something like 1600 a year mm -hmm. so you're making something and most people will make this as a side a side hustle side right yeah, side job the gig economy right yeah i don't know if you heard but the gig economy is growing everybody want to make amazon or or, or, or uber uh, uber eats uh the gig economy so uh, what a lot of people want is an extra 500 dollars 300 dollars in need is two three five hundred dollars and that's what most people do. And they do this as a part-time job. Now tell us a little bit, uh, talking about people uh, kind of like blaming you guys for... MLM has a whole cult uh, organization almost against anyone that has MLM. It seems like they don't even try the product. They don't know much. Uh, but they're already going to come with... It's MLM, okay, lo let's go and fry them. I, I, I didn't d dive too much into it, but I've, I've read so much. Tell us your experience with that. Yeah. Well, we started getting... We call them the haters, right? Because that's all they do, right? They wake up every day to do a beautiful setup like this to hate some companies. It's like, how do you? Because it blows my mind, right? They do their homework, right? They know every detail. It's like you wake up in the morning just to spread negativity, to try to bring some people But they'll, they'll say, no, I mean, listen, uh, we see people um, getting scammed and so on. They, they pro probably, I'm sure there's a lot of people that just want to go and get the views to get a big account. That's, that's, that's mostly what happens. Okay. Yeah. In so, my opinion. So you, you guys had something back in the day, but you went through this and, and it kind of like died. Um, in the, 
you were telling me about what, something. In, I, I, I know what happened when you get trolled. I, I know how it is when mm -hmm. you run a company and it's big and you're especially talking just social, because you're Especially big. social media. Social media is brutal. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. So I, I can totally feel when, when it's just unfair where people demonize the owner for any reason. T tell us your experience, what happened to you guys. Absolutely, in yeah. And so in, 20, in 2017, we went from 40 million to 300 million, right? The company exploded, thousands of people joined. Uh, we're everywhere, right? And we started the company based on doing a lot of Facebook mm -hmm. back then, right? A lot of Facebook, uh, then we moved into Instagram in 2017, and started getting these trolls, right? Uh, just demonizing the company, talking about things that the product were, was making that, they were saying things like that the hair, our hair care products and shampoos would make you hair fall. We have to do hundreds of thousands of dollars in clinical testing to prove the contrary. We have a lawsuit, right? Because it's like, okay, well, you know what? Let's, let's do a lawsuit, right? A, a, a class action and, and get money. And we, we have proven then again and again, Closer to again and again, that it's not actually true. Mm -hmm. Through clinical studies and through the fact that that started in 2017, the company have doubled in size, and now everything solved by itself. Right? We never change the formulas. We, we just, it, it just show the power of social media for the positive, but also for the you negative. Showed, you, so you're saying that it was starting with a comment that then took off, and eventually you had to get a private investigator. Um, because someone said, oh, my child lost his hair, and then you find Terrible. it was it was a false claim because they yeah. actually had cancer treatment, yeah. that child, and that's why they lost their hair. Terrible. I, I cannot, for me, it was mind-blowing how people could do things like this. I think it's for attention or, I don't know, for money, I don't know how. But then this, the network marketing haters would get into that and really go strong and create double groups. down on so there's a trending story in network marketing oh another company right, another exactly. company that's doing and they that. still do i mean they yeah. still do um and i don't know man i don't know are I don't they know still chasing you guys oh yeah i mean all the time and every time we get momentum it's something they happens, show yeah. up it's like yeah. because they want, i don't know every time we get momentum and we have one now i don't by the way i don't pay a lot of attention to them because what i learned in 2018 is that they were draining all my energy man and what I learned is that the bigger you are, the most, yeah. the more you will have. So I said, listen, I'm not gonna solve this. It's gonna keep happening. People will find a reason, right? Yeah. Uh, so I just stop paying attention to me. I tell my executive, don't even show me. I don't want to know, because literally they're just somebody in the basement, yeah. somewhere in the middle of the country, just yeah. talking without knowledge. Yeah. And it was interesting that there was one reason to leave. But this all this video and this this on analysis and and show all these numbers and she misread all these numbers terrible. Um, that girl wanted to be a market partner a couple of years ago. I have the screenshots, right? I have the screenshots. If she's seen for the first time, I, I have never said this. I have the screenshot. She wanted to be a market partner. Then she tried another company, failed in that company, and now. Is her, her life mission to badmouth network marketing companies. So you went, you failed, and now you badmouth the companies, and that's all you do yeah. all day long. So for me, there is no point really. I mean, they're there, but I don't really pay attention to that. But I know, I know it's a, they demonize the industry, right? And it's very unfair. Sometimes it's true, but it's very unfair. I know I was going to ask, do people go after you personally? Do you, do uh, no. you have issues on your Instagram? No, no I no. really, really don't. Uh, I mean, I think they know that I, I'm not trying to hurt anyone. I really yeah. don't get in a fight with them. I really don't care. All I want to do is what I do. And I know I'm doing well, so and I'm doing good. So I, 
I don't, I don't really. So who's your biggest competitor right now? I don't, I don't think about competitors, to be honest. I have never half. I just don't know anyone else in the hair industry uh, on the MLM. No, side. no, we're the but first. But you compete with like the regular. Yes, regular. I mean, yeah, no, I, mean, I say regular, like direct to consumer or 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 regular. Hair care, the hair care industry, yeah. right? I do, I do see, and watch, and we, the team, watch the trends of the hair industry, right? What's out there? What's new? Uh, but I don't really see because network marketing is a channel, social selling is a channel, right? It's a hundred thirty billion dollar channel. It's forty billion in the U.S. We're the only one really focusing on hair. Right? We're mm. the first one, still the only one in this channel. Right? We're the number one hair care brand in the world now. Right? Really? By revenue. Yep. Mm. In size? In size, yeah. The number one in the world? In the world. Yeah. Wow. What are some other big, like, like name some other big ones Metrics, that would be comparing, you know. uh, competing uh, Aveda. Aveda is big. Um, I would say Kerastas. Uh, um, Olaplex uh, is doing good. Is doing good. Um, but very different approaches of what we do, right? They're not vegan. Uh, they are not natural based, but they're doing they're doing good in, in terms of revenue. There, there's a Chinese one, um, I don't remember the name, but they're not here in the U.S. They're really big in, in Asia. But I was just curious because um, you said you're bigger than all those other companies. Now, I want to talk about how and uh, we keep saying MLM, network marketing, direct sale, whatever. How that type of company grows as quick as it did. So why do you think, in your opinion, your company... I can't remember the numbers you just mentioned. No, for, the, for, for how did we grow? Yeah, how did you grow? Because you went from... What was the number you mentioned? You yeah, from to? 40 to 300. That's insane. We went all the way to 800. In how many years? Uh, we went all the way to 800 in uh, six years. So that's not normal for most businesses. No, it's not, it's not normal for network marketing either, right? Yeah. Uh, we're number 20. We'd say about number 20, depending on the year. Number 20 in the industry, in the network marketing industry. Uh, we were um, um, were set in, for the by the WWD, top 50 beauty brands in the world. Uh, so it's not normal, on the, in the industry or in the um, in, in the in beauty, beauty industry or, yeah. or in the network marketing industry. In fact, they say that when you join and when when you start a company, if you do well, you'll have 500 distributors year one. We had 500 distributors month one. Man. Actually, when we launched, month you know? one, yes. Yeah. So how did how? Well, I think we we came up with a great marketing strategy, right? Uh, we came up with a great story of her. I think it was the right time when we did it in twenty fourteen. The premium hair care uh, industry was growing, right? We were the first ones to come up with a skimification of the scalp. Mm-hmm. Nobody was talking about that. Nobody was talking about the fact that your hair ages. It was an interesting conversation that people say, "Oh, I want to try. I want to try this." Natural-based products that work. That's my mantra, right? I want to make natural-based products that actually work, not only organic products that don't do much. What is the price of one shampoo? But uh, depending on if you buy as a VIP customer, which are our preferred customers, about $38. Okay, $38. It's a fair price, actually, I mean. mean, But back then, when I started, a lot of people told me nobody's going to... Pay so much. Pay so much. I thought I would pay more than ten bucks. But if you really show clinicals and real results, people are willing to to pay. So do you have claims on the on the product? Yeah. Okay. No, no, no. And, I mean, yeah. and, and also, why hair? Uh, well, do you know what? Kind of a coincidence and kind of a study I did, scientific studies that I did going to grocery stores and CVS and all kinds of stuff. Back then. Um, we ended up, when we started our first company, we shot the company in 2012, right? So it's like zero, how to 
let's go everyone started getting the one six that, employees the, the venezuelan direct yeah. sales i have a, I had kind of my headquarters here in miami already because we opened in mexico ecuador colombia it was smaller smaller markets for us but when it shut down venezuela it was the biggest market we started from zero again it's like, what do we do, right? What do we do? And then we ended up acquiring the private label manufacturer that was doing my plot, mm. right? Because we're the main customers. It's like, we don't want you to go under when we shut down and there's so much potential for regulations. There is a, a nice lab. I don't, wanna, I don't want you to go under when we, we up we acquiring. So we ended up acquiring them. So when we ended up acquiring, they said, what do we do? What do we do? Um, I went to the lab. It's like, what is the best things that we do here? What, what's the expertise that we have here in this lab? And I figured out it was her. Mm. No, we, they're good. And do we have anything in her care? And then I started talking about that, about skinification of the scalp, her, her aging and all that. And just by that, I said, let's focus on her. And then I went to see the industry. It's like, actually, nobody is doing her care. Yeah. So it wasn't that I said nobody's doing her care, I will do her. It's what actually so first was my strength. And then by coincidence, nobody was doing Interesting. her. And then that's what we, we, we started. I think that also got a lot of attention because everybody does, you know, supplements, vitamins, mm-hmm. uh, things like her. Uh, so I think it was interesting. So it wasn't competitive, but it was in a business that just had the vacuum. No one was selling an MLM and the MLM any hair. And that was making a lot of sense, right? And you had cool. already expertise, so you were able to hit the ground running. Right, right. So we did that, and we, we started the company back then. I think you all appreciate this. With I had no distributors. So in the United States, so we want to focus now on the United States as a market. I was living here, but it wasn't my market. Mm-hmm. We want to focus on the United States as the main market. And uh, I, I, we have no distributors. So uh, the husband of a friend said, you should do a pay-per-click campaign. Mm. Do you remember those? What's that? Right. And she said, yeah, you can do a pay-per-click campaign, targeted campaign. We started with $5,000 campaign. And that $5,000 brought me my first few distributors. And actually, some of those few distributors are still with the company. Interesting. Wow. Mm-hmm. All the retention is good. Mm-hmm. It's kind of funny when you said, look, I already had something over here. I had to make it make do. Uh, when when I said, I, I know one guy that came from money and did b- bigger than his parents, that, that's a funny story with the in warehouses. One of the guys didn't pay his rent, and he just left. And he built the cremation business in it. He built everything. He put the oven, all that, and then just left. So he started a cremation business alongside that, and he had it for years and eventually exited the business. Just make do. I got it already. What else am I going to do? So it's, it's cool. You took that, and you move it now. If there was one thing you would have changed in the past, what's one thing you could go back and tell yourself, hey, listen, do this or what, what would it be in the business in this business? in AI to your younger self when you started the business in this business yes in Monet you know it's, it's gonna sound cheesy but uh, I do think that your journey makes you who you are yes uh, so you have to make the mistakes you have to make the right thing so I don't really know if I would have done anything mm-hmm. different in my life um, one thing that have helped me is I have always have sense of urgency mm-hmm. uh, since I was really young I was Maybe 16, 17 already was doing businesses and doing all kinds of things. Uh, in terms of businesses, um, like for example, say Monet, right? When we started Monet, I would have maybe done, maybe do my due diligence of what was the right things to do in terms of doing the claims, right? Because I didn't know you need clinicals. 
but I knew I was doing the right things. We tested, we tried, but went deeper in those kind of things. Yeah. But then I said, I didn't have the money. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Because usually when, when I get that question, I always say one thing. It's just, if there was any doubt to let someone go, it's always about, I let them go too late. That was my, my thing as, so I was as an entrepreneur. So, I was talking to someone about that. Yeah. Just you like, don't fire quick enough? Well, I, I think I actually do, but you never feel a, a regret over letting someone go because you don't just go chop off heads for no reason. But when you let someone go, you always find out later on that you should have let them go sooner. It would have been, no matter how, because many times you say, you know, the momentum, keep them a little bit longer. Like, no, no, no. Because it's the most unnerving thing to do as an entrepreneur, yes. especially like yeah, a that's the one you hate. Nobody, likes nobody wants to fire anyone. Yes. It's, it's, it's a hard conversation to have. Right. Yeah. I think for me, um, it's not that it's, it isn't hard because it is, especially when there's some, sometimes there's it's good people. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more about you're always in fear of, am I going to create a gap in the company, right? Mm-hmm. For too long. What happened? Who's going to do this? How right? many times did you feel like you fired a person and you should have kept them longer? If you even never. had that. Ah, never. That's a, yeah. And that's a great question. I have yes. a, a conversation I was having with my brother. helps me with my shift staff. And uh, I was talking about someone. And I said, I told him, have it. 100% of the time yeah. that we have this conversation, 100% of the time we'll eventually say, why didn't we do this Yeah. Before? The uncomfort yeah. of letting that that position being eliminated until you find another person um, doesn't outweigh the, the fact that that person wasn't the right person and you only find the holes after they leave because they're very good at covering them. <laughs> and then you said, oh, damn, it should have been sooner. Right, and it's every time you go back to your, your, yourself and you said, next time it wouldn't happen and then it happened again because you know what? You already know the person, you feel bad. And, it's and, like, you know, yes. <laughs> it's because yeah. funny you bring this up because now that you're talking, yes, I made that mistakes many, many, many. And repeating, right? It's, it's just human many nature, times. yes. Uh, and I keep doing the mistake. I keep making that mistake all the time. And so what I've done is that I create like a mental checklist. Yes. Right? So number one that you want, and you will hear this from every big guy that's running bigger companies, it's culture. Mm-hmm. Right? Number one thing. And you know it. Like, you know that this person is in the right culture. It's never going to work. Yeah. And sometimes we want to convince ourselves because they are capable mm-hmm. and they have the background and they have the technical skills and they don't have the culture. And just like, no, we'll make it work. It will never work. Never work. It will never work. And then sometimes, suddenly, they have the culture, suddenly, but they don't have the skills. Yes. And then it's like, okay, okay, I'm going to try, right? But sometimes you can, depending on the position. If it's a very senior position, there's no way to make it work. And also, if you let a B player or a C player in the team, it's really going to alienate those A players, right? Because it's going to bring everybody down. Because, oh, so this is the standard. You're kind of setting the bar. You want to yes. keep the bar high, right? And that's how you win. Yeah, one of the worst parts is to keep a B player in a managerial position because B's, A's hire A's, B's hire C's, because B's sees A's and B's as a threat. And before you know it, you get yourself a group of C's being managed by a B that kills anyone that has a chance and eventually you keep them longer and, and they're masters of disguise. They know how to keep <laughs> you know, like showing what you need to see and, and, and expect what you don't inspect and they keep you outside of the loop and for purpose and, and the other thing I have, I have in my checklist is passion right so I, there is someone this person I was talking about just this week it's like I just don't feel that person have the passion right so uh, even though we're a big company I want to have the passion I have the passion I want the people around me to have the passion of a startup right? when you're a startup you have the passion you want to make it everything better you want to make everything quick 
And then comes those with bureaucracy. Yes. But it takes time. You have to be patient, right? Yeah. I just I just doing my job, but I can see in your eyes that you don't have the passion for the specific thing that you're doing. So if you don't have the passion, I don't want. What to are the ways time. to find them before they start? How can you? What are the questions you usually would ask those people to see? Okay, those are going to be those bureaucrats, and how do you eliminate ditch, that? Ditch the resumes, right? Yes. I, I, I learned that also the hard way. I would see mm -hmm. the resumes like red, but then I learned because of LinkedIn. People who work in the company and then were posting LinkedIn. I work at Monet and all this, I did this, this, and that. It's like, no, you didn't. <laughs> but yeah. You were maybe a part of the team, but you didn't actually do that. It's like, how do you believe in a resume? So don't, don't, uh, don't go by. Don't resumes. believe. Yes. Don't believe in the resumes. Um, I had I had people by by the way writing down their positions. When you would go and search my company, you would see all those employees, and you would see people that never worked for us, and say that <laughs> they're directors of X Y Z. And they have never worked on my, and, and, and that, oh, that's, that's where it's, yes. So, so you're saying ditch the resume, but on the interview, mm -hmm. how do you go and you talk to a person? What are the questions you ask to mm -hmm. kind of like tell? Okay, well, the, the, one way for me for, to spot it is asking a project. Like, okay, what's been your, big, your biggest win? And they'll tell you, I launched this product, right? Okay, tell me how you did it. Mm -hmm. uh, well, no, no, but how do you come up with that? So start digging. Tactical. Tactical questions. Yes. That's, listen, I get sometimes uh, people filter by human resources, department head, and then they come they come to me. And in 20 minutes, you find you know, out. What, yes. Why what do you, you say? You, you didn't notice that this person, they don't actually know what they're talking about. Because if you ask me about my business, yes, you know, all I, the I mean, how long do I have? Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, ask me about how to make a product. Or how me, yeah. Ask me anything about my business. I'll just tell you how much you want to know. <laughs> because you'll tell me, yeah, I can be here all day, all night. And then you ask people, it's like, I do product development. Okay, tell me, what's the process? Tell me what's the harder things about them. Tell me what are the hurdles. Uh, and they'll tell you one thing. This is all you have to say. You either have no passion or you really don't know the technical yeah. questions, the yeah. technical details. Then you find that there's just a manager that doesn't touch the details. Right. Yeah. Well, that's another issue too. When yeah. somebody takes it, when somebody uh, assumes all the responsibility and hasn't done the work, right? So they say they've done this, but it was really a team. I see all the time. It. I'm hiring yeah. a mid-management position. It's like I increase sales 600 percent, and I tell them, it's like you didn't. So tell me how you were part of a team that, did that maybe did something, yeah. and what part did you did you play on that team? So I think digging down, that's my number one thing. Which is, by the way, that's still valid. If the person built a team that accomplishes a thing, that's... But that's, don't say I. Don't say I. Uh, say so I, I built... Sometimes you're part of a team. Someone, yeah. there is someone above you that built multiple teams and that's true they too. take credits. I mean, uh, it's it's a very... Well, no, you take credit for your yeah. for your role as an operator or if you, if you have direct reports. That's what and, you and, can say that you built. Yeah. And to be great, you have to be into the weeds, right? Yes. So that's the number one thing, right? So you have to be into the way. So if you are, if I hire you to do events, I will ask you, what, do you, what is your benchmark? What, what are the companies that do the best events, right? If I hire you for products, and I'm talking about skincare, mm -hmm. so tell me what the skincare brands are killing it right now. Uh, which ones are those? Uh, if I'm asking you about direct sales, so what do you think are the direct sales companies that are winning and why? And most time, most of the times they won't tell me. Like, yeah. So you don't really you don't really don't know the industry. Now, have ever happened that, that you you did all that tactical questions to see that he came from the bottom, grew to the top, and you say, you know what, the guy is tactical, sounds like he knows what they're doing, or she, and then they come in and then they're not. 
What are the indications for you like when you say, okay, it's not going to work? Like, like how long usually it takes you and then what are the... Yeah, you know, it's hard because sometimes you have to give them the chance yes. um, of three, six months. And I mean, in my company, they go like that because we're, we're really You're fast. dynamic. Yeah. yeah. Um, let me think, how do I... Did it ever it? happen though that a tactical person that was in a managerial position, but very good in tactics, wasn't the right one or usually they're usually performing? No, no. I mean, there was one case was years ago. I think it was before, actually it was before Monet in my other company that I hired a CFO and he lasted one morning. <laughs> <laughs> True story, right? One morning. One morning, yeah. Uh, How do you last one morning? Well, he started, we went to the conference room. Sexual harassment. <laughs> Hopefully <laughs> not. I don't know, I don't know. Well, that was fast. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, went to the room, started going to a financial statement and I just did, I just saw that he didn't know the details of a PL. Oh, uh, oh, well, that's an and, issue. Uh, and it's hard because this guy came from Avon, which is a yeah. multi-billion yeah. dollar company. But I turned to my, because it was two CFOs, my older CFO for the, for the umbrella brand. Like, is it me or this guy? It's kind of weird. He doesn't know what he's talking about. I lost $10,000. I paid him $10,000 to leave because it's like, you know, we're, I'm not going to work. It's not going to work, yeah. It's not going to work out. Sometimes, to your point, sometimes, I mean, most of the time after three months, you know, you just want to make it work. But then you don't want to yes. be so harsh. Well, maybe they're just... A lot you of ask yourself, am I, is it just me? Am I the crazy one? And it's just, are they right saying I'm too too crazy? Because, yeah. yeah. But sometimes uh, sometimes people take time. So most, uh, yeah. I think it's wise for new people to come in, ask questions, evaluate, uh, do a recon before coming too hard, too fast. Because that they, they might be abrasive too. So, But it also depends on the role too. So I come from a sales background and in enterprise sales, I mean, there's long sales cycles too. So mm-hmm. you have to look at the activity. You have to look at the leading indicators that will be measurable for success as opposed to lagging indicators. So if I have an enterprise sales rep that's coming in that has a, a nine-month sales cycle, okay, fine. Make sure that you do all the, hmm. the checks ahead of time. But they're going to be nine months till they close a the deal. So you have to make sure they're doing the activities that we know are eventually going to lead to success. Mm-hmm. And that's what you have to measure on as opposed to the end result. And I think that in some positions, sometimes you measure on the, the lagging indicators or the end result a little bit too heavily. Uh-huh. So that's why you have to have those metrics in place so that you know if the results take a little bit of time. Great, great point. But in the meantime, what I've learned is to develop non-negotiables. Right? So Correct, yeah. like I said, mm-hmm. passion is a non-negotiable for me. Mm-hmm. Or attention to details yeah. is a non-negotiable. Right? If I go, you might even be a month-to-month thing if I enjoy on top of a project. If I go and I ask you something and you don't know the details, uh, that's a big red flag for me. In a managerial it. position? Even at a senior position. No, no, no. If, if you're not managing anyone and you're new and you don't know certain details and you're just a coordinator. No, he's saying, he's saying if you're on a project for a period of time. No, no. Oh. In any position. Oh, okay, okay. In no, any position. Right, yes. I'm a CEO, right, but I have a partner and we have a board. Right? Yes. I pride myself on saying if the board asks me 10 questions, I will have the answers of nine, even if they are very detailed. Obviously, if you ask me, tell me exactly, I don't know. But listen, you ask me how many orders did we ship yesterday? I'll tell you. Was the waiting times on customer service? I'll tell you. How many people did we sponsor yesterday? How many new customers did we bring? I'll tell you. I know those levels of details. And a lot of people get annoyed by that. But I, I always tell them, if you want to work with me, you have to be into the wits, right? Oh, but you're micromanaging. You have to micromanage the thing that matters, mm-hmm. right? So I'm asking you to micromanage the things that matter in your area. Mm-hmm. And it do, it do, it do, Box me that, and 
Once again, I don't want to sound like me, 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 but hold on a minute. I'm overseeing 10 layers of the company. You are focusing on one. I would expect you to know way more details than me. Yes. So, uh, and, and then you find way, out that the person is not as technical as you, that you manage the whole. Yeah. By the way, just, just knowing doesn't always mean you're micromanaging either. Exactly. It just means you have a finger on the pulse of that piece of business. So I think it's good to know. I think that maybe an excuse is, oh, you're micromanaging. It's because they don't want to know. They don't want to pay and attention. And you know what? Pulse. That's so important. You have to have the pulse of what's mm -hmm. going on. Yeah. Because right? when you have the pulse, you know what to do. So another thing that I tell them is like, because I, w I really want to be fast, oh, let's buy all these reports and analyses and, and Mintel and you know, monitor. It's like, that's fine. Right? The company pay for that and we use it. But when you really have the pulse of what's going on, of the beauty industry, of the direct sales industry, of the world today, you know what to do fast. You don't have really have to analyze a lot because you are so immersed to it that it's just second nature, it's just instinct that allow you to take the decisions fast without having to go through 10 reports. Right? Mm -hmm. I think that ultimately the winners are making better decisions. And when you mentioned um, that you're, you're very... Uh, urgency is very important for you and I think that's what matters right you just keep moving faster than everybody else because you're taking the urgent you know what's urgent and it's important which means there's 99% of not important there is 1% that's important there is 0.1% that's very important and there is that percentage that's very urgent if you always tackle the very important and urgent and then still manage after that the important and you weed out all the non-important the effectiveness of your business is going to put you as a unicorn. And that is the issue with large companies where they deal with so much non-important and then they touch tiny, tiny bit with important and a little bit on the urgent and very important. Does it happen? I mean, did it happen to you? Because it happens to me that Executive will come with nice ideas, nice ideas that just like this, nice, but yes. does it really matter? I mean, yes, I've seen this. I've seen this before <laughs> where you sit time. down and it's like, I mean, it takes time to maneuver the company where you say, all right, our meetings are very, very focused on on couple questions. What is our PNL look like from now until the end of the month in terms of bal uh, on a balance sheet? What are the urgent matters which we had to know? Okay, this is shipping the boxes on time. If there are any delays, we need to go and inform the members before. If there are any issues with products not coming on time, we kind of learn after a while that how come we didn't inform the people in advance? Why is it coming to our desk when it's already on social media? So little by little, we get efficient, right? It takes time. So then eventually you isolate only what's important. And we're just doing one hour a week, manage like a corporate meeting, one hour a week. That's it. Everything else was tactical meetings, just build, build, create, invent, be into the details, one hour just to connect all the branches, and that's it. When we moved on later on and became more corporate and I started stepping out, it was completely different. And you just talk about everything, but the important parts were not there. Things were shipped late. Nobody <laughs> knows about this. No one talks about all those meetings, you know. So Well, well it's interesting because I'm doing my strategy uh, meetings for 23. And, okay, let's have initiative, right? And... Now that we're talking, I'm thinking about things that we have done better is that simplification. For mm -hmm. next year, my word, I also have a word for a year, right? This year was relationships. But uh, I tell people you have to have relationships because coming out of after COVID, we all thought we could do everything digitally. It's like you yeah. don't build relationships mm -hmm. over yes. Zoom. Um, the next year is simplification. How can we simplify? Because you start growing. It's like, it's like when you build a house, right? You build a house and then you start coming with ideas and then you have 
the kitchen is this side and, and the bathroom is after the kitchen and something yeah. is weird. It's like, let's simplify it. I have, a, I have a question for you on that point. So you mentioned before that you like to keep the company like a startup, like mm -hmm. innovative, fast moving. That's great. But when you have people that like a startup environment, they are also sometimes distracted with new ideas. They always mm -hmm. want to suggest mm -hmm. new things like you just mentioned. So how do you balance that? How do you balance startup innovation right. company with staying focused and on task with what matters? Yeah. The number one challenge that I've had in the company is bureaucracy. Right. When you, you're an entrepreneur and you used to do a startup, it's fast. And now every, everything has to go through legal mm -hmm. and PMO and the software and all the check marking, which is fine. You, you have to do that. So how you can, can you still follow the process and be fast? So that's the number one challenge that we have. In uh, and then, then, yes, all the initiatives. Right. So I'm yeah. telling the team, let's be uh, proactive. And then you'll see that you have 200 projects open. So what I start doing is, once again, going back to the basics. What are the basic things that we need, right? So is it helping my field, right? So is it helping my market partners? Is it good for my customers? Is it going to help my customers? Is it going to increase sales? Is it a legal thing that we need to do? Uh, our compliance stuff that we really need to cover? So those are the pillars that you... Yeah. That's it. Yeah, Pillars, yes. That's yeah. it. If after that, everything is secondary. If after that we have time... Next, do all the other projects. Mm -hmm. But if it's not doing one of those, let's put in the back burner um, mm. for now. Yeah, that's that's something that I, I keep mentioning because that's something that in Baxicham we used to have. We had one goal, which is to grow. While you're profitable, keep growing. Don't optimize your profit, just optimize your growth while you're profitable. And then we had four pillars. Get the best product in the box, get the best experience for the members, get the best experience for the brands, get the best experience for the influencers. That's it. If you want to grow, follow those four. We would sit down and you would say, you would hear uh, managers, directors, VPs talking to their teams and someone would come up with an idea to say, what pillar does it hit? So everything works and then you can like laser focus into one. The, every brand in the organization knows where to go to and how to get there. You get, not, if you have 100 people, 100 brains helping you now because they have a direction. So that's exactly what you guys did. You're just, just identifying what's important and yeah. And then, but then you say, okay, okay. So still would you have a bunch of ideas to increase sales? Still will happen a lot, okay. So then you have to have the instinct and the discussion is like, is this really gonna matter? I mean, is this really gonna move the needle? Sometimes, many times you will try things that don't work. So I always tell the things that it's okay Right? If it doesn't work, what I want is for all of us to face the brutal facts fast. Right? Because what happens is that we get so enamored with a project, and same thing that maybe with an executive with a project, and it's been six months, a year, and you knew from month two that that project was not going to take off that idea initially, yeah. and you keep investing time, resources on that. So what I'm saying is that, okay, you have to give it time. Say you give it a quarter. So if after a quarter it hasn't picked up, uh, let's face the real facts. Listen, yeah. I mean, that's fine. Maybe it's your project. Hey, we're trying things. That don't feel bad. Uh, I'm not putting it in on you. We try it. Focus on results, not the process. Yes. Yeah. And you know, the great things today is that you do so many things digitally, either on social media, or through apps and platforms. That's really easy to measure. Yes. It's really easy to you measure. You can see right away. You can tell the feedback from the people. It's not back then. You had to go and get focus groups sitting through a third party identify no now it's it's just right away to your point and sometimes the results will take time saying we're doing something say i launched a new program right and i launched it last month actually a month ago and it's doing great in many kpis mm -hmm. it's a challenge another kpi but i know it's working 
right? I know it's moving masses. I know people are excited about it. I know the feedback. I know. We've done things that have cost, an app that had cost us $200,000. After three, four, five months, you don't see picking it up, the numbers, yeah. right? The yeah. numbers are not picking up. It's like, yeah. and maybe we either have to reshape this, but many, many times, people don't face the brutal facts. No right? product, if it's not a product market fit, let's move on and try something else. Maybe it's going to work. Yeah. And we got a couple questions for you, by the way, because this is the first time we actually shared a story on my page. A, a lot of questions. We're going to go and ask you those. Uh, before I start, I'm going to go and say you're married, you have children. How many children do you own currently? <laughs> I have three. Three? three yeah. Boys, girls? I have two boys, and uh, Vincent, uh, 14, about okay. to be 15. Nicholas is 11, and Paula, who just turned eight. A, a ah, couple so of you have ago. two boys and a princess, yes. pretty much. Right? That's awesome. Literally the princess. That's awesome. That's great. And um, how is the work that, that's life one, That balance, was one of the questions. Right? Are you single? So we, yeah. we answered that <laughs> Sorry, one. Sorry, guys. He's not single. <laughs> His wife is gorgeous, and she's amazing. I know she's very involved in the business. Yeah, she's and, uh, in product development. So product so. development, yes. It's a, it's a beautiful thing to see you guys work together, travel together, doing everything together. Mm. I saw that you bring the family, the whole family with you. When you go to Bora Bora with, mm. with all the influencers, you bring in the family mm. so you don't waste time with the kids. Yeah, we really, I mean, I don't do this alone, right? Uh, my, my, my father is a chairman. He is not involved in the day-to-day, -day, but he's my partner, my advisor. In uh, my family, right, my siblings are involved. My sister do uh, culture. We, we not name her chief of culture. She, she makes sure that we have... Your sister? My sister. She's so the head beautiful. of the foundation, but she makes sure that we're doing proper recognition, we keep it in the form, and that culture that makes us different. And my brother's chief of staff, she's, he's involved in everything uh, with operations. So he solved for my, my issues on the on the day to day. So and my, my younger sister well, have a baby sister, but my younger sister is trying to get involved and she loves to sing, so now she's doing the jingles for the company. I just love the fact that you plugged in the company, the, the family into the company. Mm -hmm. So everyone gets a piece of the experience, get that understanding that you can build a business, look, we're doing this together. And you keep the family with the, with the same experiences. You don't get to experience everything by yourself. That's very nice. Do you have any issues working with family? Uh, no. 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 Anybody asks us that. Um, I think we have a high level of respect for each other, right? And uh, I'm the CEO. Uh, so my, my siblings are my siblings, and they're my best friends. But they respect me as yeah. a CEO, and I respect them as, a, as the professionals they are uh, at work. And no, we get along and we, we love to have fun together too. So uh, I think that's good. We really connect as friends. And is there, is there, I'm just one more family question. When you compare uh, like where your dad came from in direct sales, is there anything that you fundamentally disagree on and how you build a, like a direct sales yes. network marketing company? Yes. Yeah. Um, many things, right? So fundamentally, we agree in most everything, right? Strategically, we don't. But we do now, right? So we have to trust me uh, on allowing to do my own strategies. Mm -hmm. uh, but for example, that part of creating a real brand, right? He was in love with that idea. He said, okay, that I, don't, I don't think that's, that, that was the key. And uh, he allowed me, and, and actually my sister, to uh, like, let's focus on creating this cool brand, right? Mm -hmm. Initially, social media was like a secondary, yeah. and now he's, he loved to be in social media himself, right? Um, but fundamentally, we know this is a business of people, so we believe in that strongly, and we have always focused on, on doing whatever is best for our people. 
So that fundamental, uh, I think, it has has been the glue uh, for our strategies. Yeah. Beautiful. Let's go and get, get questions okay. here, and then I get oh over there. Okay. We have the Canadians <laughs> that can read all the questions. <laughs> Well, we've kind of gone into this. So yes. someone asked, what is your business background? But more or less, you've answered that. So let's keep going. Um, We're wiping tables before. That. Wiping tables. Well, yeah. I went to law school in Venezuela for oh. a couple of years. Yeah, I was okay. going to be a lawyer. Un abogado. Yeah, Mira. And, and really good at it. Really nice. good at it. So um, What did you just say? Un abogado. I don't know what that means. Uh, a lawyer in Spanish. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. And still, I'm really good at that still right, to the date. I'm really good at that. Uh, and I was going to be a lawyer, but... Went to business schools here in FIU. Uh, oh, you went to business school? Yeah, went to business school. All right, look, me too. Uh, what years did you go? Uh, I ended up, what year did I graduate? Uh, 2004. Oh, so, really? Yeah. I'm on 07. All right. Finished, yes. Yeah. Look at us. Yeah, look at Maybe there is something. I keep butchering them with, the, oh, it's not going to work. It doesn't do anything. But <laughs> I don't did, know. Did, did, oh, yeah, now you're teaching them. Did business school do anything for you? Uh, yeah, yes. I, I, tr I truly believe that business school, school in general. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know your point. <laughs> I know, yeah. And I'm with you mostly. Yeah. Right. Uh, but I think business school gives you structure. Right. So it has allowed me to have some kind of structure. Okay. Around many. You things. did your master or your bachelor? Bachelor. A bachelor like bachelor. me. Yeah. 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 Fuck yeah. master. What the hell do we need? More yeah, but now nowadays though it's different, right? I mean, yeah. 15 years ago you didn't have the level of information. Mm -hmm. Online, online, online that yeah. you have today for free or maybe for a nominal uh, uh, fee, investment. Yeah. So I think it's different now. I do still think I would still encourage my kids to go to school, uh, to go to college. Now, if you don't want to go, I say, okay, what are you going to do and you're going to be the best? Yeah, at just it. do something. You don't yeah, and be don't the do best nothing, at that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think curiosity, and I think that makes us different, is you have to really be really uh, curious. Uh, mm -hmm. Curiosity, it's about, I see people that are experts on things uh, just by do, watching videos on YouTube mm -hmm. about certain Could you topics. have done what you've done without going to business school? No, who knows? Who knows? I, I you mean, can't tell the outcome, but did, did, was there anything instrumental that without you taking that class? Oh, no, 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 right. no, specifically, no. I just think the level of structure. I mean, the fact that when you grow the company, now you have to, you have to deal with a board and you have to deal with mm. structures, org charts. Uh, all these kind it, of yeah, things, yeah. I, think, I think it helps you, right? Uh, understand that faster. Interesting. Now, okay. could you delegate those things? Yes. Yeah. So that's the question. Right? Okay. Okay, let's go through some of these. So first question, um, I won't read the names, I guess. I you can read the name. I mean, Johnny. No one's going to know Johnny, is it? Yeah, but they might know. <laughs> no, well, they'll know. We mentioned them. We give them the credit. All you right. You can say the name of the handle. I okay, mean, so the Ryan Morgan asks, any business that is done as MLM immediately loses credibility to me. Why MLM? Right. Well, we're talking, I think it's fair that there is a bad name. I understand why there is a bad name on, on multi-level marketing, on network marketing, because once again, back in the 90s, there was no regulation, right? And a lot of people, a lot of companies just push products to the distributors without caring about what they were going to do with the products. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people just ended up overloading products on their garages, in their closets, it's different now, right? Because right now you do the investment and you look for customers and the company will ship the post to the customers and you'll get a commission. 
Mm. So it's pretty different from what it was before. I guess it's kind of hard to get away with the name. It's just like they're saying Honduras is a very dangerous place, but today it's actually not. It used to 10, 20 years ago, right? <laughs> like it's it's not as dangerous, right? Yeah. So it takes it takes and a while. And why why instead of direct to consumer or regular B two B? Because because well because network marketing will give you the platform. Have you said it yeah. uh, yourself? You go into network marketing, a good company, right? And I'm not gonna say Monet is the only great network marketing company because there are some out there, not many, but some. Because the other one, you, the other thing you wanna see is an actual product, right? And still, actual, I mean, not an actual product, a great product. A great, right? yeah. So what we do, for me, the way I measure my, the quality of my product is, and I could never do this because I, I believe in the channel, would this product survive in a shelf in Sephora? Mm -hmm. Would this product survive in a shelf in Ulta, right? And that's for me a stress test. And then the other thing is that we do PR. But you know, editors will pick up the products that they like. I mean, you, I don't pay the editors. And I see editors picking up the products, the claims, clinicals, mm -hmm. results, the branding, the innovation that we're presenting. So go with a company. If you're going to go to a company, a network marketing company, go with a company that have products that you actually believe mm -hmm. in. And then you work with a company that you have products that believe in, they have the culture that you like, you like the branding. You're representing a brand. That's what you're doing. You don't have to do a website mm -hmm. because the website will be given to you. In our case, um, you don't have you have the support of a community, and that's the other thing. It's a cult. It's a positive cult. Like they're drinking the Kool Aid. I'll drink this Kool Aid all day long. It's a Kool Aid of what? Making Positivity, money, business brand, opportunity, helping, helping each other. If you're in the right culture, yes, you have to be in the right culture, right? So uh, we 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 praise ourselves. Of, Saying that we're in a culture, not saying no, we don't say it. The, the community says it. In the, we're a culture that everybody's helping each other, right? That you're gonna have a training platform, you're gonna have customer service support, uh, you you don't have to carry inventory, we'll carry the returns, you have 30 money, 30 days money back guarantee. You don't have to worry about all any of that. All you have to worry is about marketing the product and selling the product. And if you decide to build a team, people will join. I mean, so in other words, you know, look, you like the product, you think it makes sense, you can join the company. If you don't like the product and you think the product is a scam, then the whole company is a scam. Kind of like that. That's what you're saying, yeah. right? And then, and then, well, you know what? Oh, wait. But I feel ashamed. Right? Do you know how many people that makes hundreds of thousands of dollars told me that they were so ashamed of being one of those? Right? Do you know how many dads? I know the stories of dads. Because yes. our, we have a lot of young girls, right? Our demographics between 24 and 35. And a lot of dads saying, I was against this, and now they're wearing the hat. Mm. And all they, it took, husbands, let's say, don't get into that to the, to the girls. And then they go to the events, it's like, this is an actual amazing community, yeah. right? And, and, the, and I always tell people, in, in our case, you join Monet and you're going to join a community, worst case scenario, you'll become a better person. Because the world out there is just full of negativity. Everywhere you go, and you come in a positive community, was the worst that could happen, right? So. Yeah. Um, Charles C. Masters asks, how do you prioritize and maximize your daily efforts as a CEO of such a big company? Right. Um, I have a schedule, right? So I make sure I have a schedule and it doesn't take a lot of work, right? Your phone, uh, you use your calendar. And uh, I make sure that my schedule is always full with activities. Um, and then I let my schedule pull me, right? Because when you let your schedule pull you, in my opinion, you will, it will allow you to do the things that you don't have, you don't want to, even if you, hmm. if you don't feel like to. Because that's, that's a the key thing, yeah. right? As a discipline. Right? Yeah. Most of days, 
People think that it's, per it's a perfect life. Listen, so there are days that I don't, it's like, this is saying, I don't wish this life for mm. many people. Yeah. It's very, a lot of stress and it's a, doing a lot of things that you don't like, right? So if you put it into a schedule, it's like, this is what I have to do today because I have to, right? And, and the business need, need me to do it. So having a schedule and I live by the schedule to the minute. Um, good answer. <laughs> a plus. Um, uh, Virgilia, uh, Virjoli, I can't pronounce that, I'm sorry. Uh, what's the unique personal branding story that makes you stand out in the beauty market? Um, we have natural-based products that actually work. You right. mentioned this before, mm -hmm. yeah. So it's modern nature. is that mixture of natural-based ingredients with clinical studies. So we, you, we, we, we recently launched a product. It's called IR Clinical. Um, that will help you with your scalp. That will help you with your hair fall. And we just did it a month ago, and it's in partnership with the University of Miami. Right, so we do believe in the science, but we use natural-based ingredients. Um, Marwan Blitz asks, "What's the what's the best recession-proof industry to start uh, for e-commerce or or just any company? Best recession-proof network marketing. Network marketing. Yeah, because when the recession, and I, I actually spoke about this in my convention. Beauty industry is great, right? People will keep taking care of themselves no matter what, and you know mm -hmm. this. But network marketing too, because when Things get tough. What do you need? You need an extra income. Yeah, and that's when more people will say, "Oh." So, so the barrier to entry to your business is is much higher than just going in online and do what everyone else is doing. Yours is a little bit more complex. So once you go into a network network that exists already, you have already a pool of people, mm -hmm. right? And what product in so you say network marketing? What product would you do if it wasn't hair care? If I was well, I am, I did hair care for five years. And then I moved into skincare. Okay. Right. And we're doing very well in skincare. Uh, use the same mantra natural based products are actually war, modern nature. Uh, and we're number 12 in the United States as a brand of skincare. Uh, and then we did uh, wellness. Uh, I, would, I would do natural based products. Right? Uh, you have to be around the sustainability story mm -hmm. nowadays. You have to actually have ingredients that people will, that are bulletproof, that if the customer Google, uh, they will come up as safe. People, I mean, the level of scrutiny that customers have today on products is, is amazing, right? Yeah. Uh, so that's confusing. I say, don't go to with Dr. Google all the time, right? Because they won't give you the right answer. But I think natural-based, anything that's natural-based, that's sustainable. And if you can find something that you can share on Instagram, right? That mm -hmm. is Instagram, Instagrammable. Mm -hmm. right? And uh, I, in Miami, I always say, like, the best places, the best restaurants, the best hotels, Everything is a, they have an Instagrammable moment. Try to have products that can have that too. Good, good. Um, uh, D Centinello asks, "What's the the worst way or the dumbest way you've seen somebody sabotage their own success?" By losing focus, see it all the time. Mm -hmm. See it all the time. It's a good and one. see it with my my own market partners. They start making some money, mm -hmm. and now drop the ball, start traveling and creating content. Right? It's like listen, content is important. Right? We all are in social media. But content is not the only thing. Right? You really have to work day in, day out. And to think that to make some kind of money in a year is all the money in the world when there is so much more to do, I think that the biggest mistake is like you sabotage yourself just by dropping the ball so fast. Um, Zadi Z asks, what was the biggest mistake you made early on when you first started your company? 
Yeah. Uh, well, we talk about mistakes, right? Yeah. I think uh, not hiding the no 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 fighting people fast enough, or, yeah. or not hiding the right people. I think you have to make do, depending on the industry that you are. Just do the due diligence in terms of compliance. In, in thing that because sometimes we don't mean that, but we make mistakes. So just the due diligence in the compliance part. Um, I think I think those few things here and there. Yeah. Um, Eric uh, Sue asks, "What are you investing in now? What are you excited about?" Yeah. Uh, well, I didn't follow Joseph advice, so I invested in the in the stock markets. <laughs> <laughs> oh, in uh, in oh, socks. You're stuck there for a while now, though. I know, yeah. I know. So it sucks. So I did that. I also did an investment. That's when you start having some kind of capital on one of these um, funds. Yeah, right? yeah. Mutual funds, so social rebuff. Um, really? Social rebuff. Don't do that. Uh, but in terms of investment, but that was, for me, it's very passive. I'm very focused on what I do. I really believe in Mostly focus. Mostly investing in your business and yourself, right? Yeah. I yeah. really believe in focus. I, and I think you posted something like that. It's like, yeah. yes, don't multiple string of incomes. Yeah. yeah. No. Yeah. That's when you really have multimillionaire and you can really have, yeah. have multiple st strings of passive income. But if you really want to be the best at something and really to succeed at something, you have to pull the... What is it? Pull you all the eggs in your basket and wash the basket. Yeah, you can go and build a company like yours if you, you're trying 20 other things. It's like, I need to make sure I have a real estate portfolio while I'm building. But no, you have to do one thing, take it to the moon. And then after you exit, perhaps when you have some time, build a portfolio that is barely being managed. And then you can. But but it's just, it's just to give this advice to everybody is just not. No, but I, like I was saying, I love to, to tell people this. Will I put all the eggs in one basket? Yes. Pull your eggs in one basket and wash that basket ah. very carefully every day. I love that. Uh, yeah. That's smart. That's good. Do you want to do some? We, there's a whole bunch of uh, questions on money. Do you want to do questions on money? Sure. Let's, Let's do them. All about money. Liquidity. All right. Uh, biggest financial regret? Uh, investing in the stock market. Okay. <laughs> is it better? To and it's not the oh. first time. It's the second time I made the same mistake. You came but the in thing is that at the hype every time? No, not at the really high, but it always goes down. It's too much stress for me. Yeah. Right? Stress that I don't need because yeah. I want to be focusing on my business. Uh, it's just that you get greedy, right? So when you see it going up and up and you don't get out. You don't get out. Yeah. I think I think if you have a discipline and you say, when I put investment, once I'm making 30%, I'm going to get out. And I was disciplined like that. And they say, well, you know what? Maybe 60%. Yeah. And then, uh, nobody wants to leave the party, but then midnight comes and exactly. the court, the carriage, I was Buffett's uh, line it was like, it turns into a pumpkin and now everyone's stuck. And, yeah. Actually, these, all these questions are from Elizabeth Pipko. These are, these are really good questions. So is it better to strike gold early on or make it later on in life? Like first time, is it good to have a success or does that ruin you? No, I don't think so. Early on is fine for me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Do you feel money changes people or merely amplifies what's already there? I think it amplifies what's already there, 100%. Um, most expensive thing you've ever bought? Do I have to say that? You don't have to. We don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> Move on. It's a good one. It is no, a good one. Yeah. No, I don't, you know what? I don't buy a lot of expensive stuff. Maybe a watch. Okay, uh, that's fine. The most that's expensive thing. That. Yeah, yeah, it's all good. Um, if you could use your, your wealth to solve one of the world's problems, which one would you solve? Yeah, that's a tough question. Um, I think I'm really focused on uh, hunger. Yeah. Yeah. Um, have people treated you differently as you've made more and more money? A little bit, a little bit. And uh, uh, it annoys me. Uh, in terms of, I think people just, 
I don't know if they were scared or they just don't really want to be. I think people get nervous sometimes, mm-hmm. and I laugh. It's like, what? Why are you nervous around me? Right? I think people get nervous, or or and then they're not themselves. Mm-hmm. Right? Just be yourself. Right? Be normal. Uh, yeah. I'm normal, so. No, that's good. Um, can money buy happiness? Uh, no, but it really puts you in a great position to be happy, right? And because if it, if it amplifies who you are, right, you're just gonna be happier, yeah. right? If it amplifies who you are and you're already a miserable person, you're just gonna find ways to be miserable, miserable right? So I've always said I was super happy when I bought my first townhouse in uh, what year was 2004. So I was 23. Um, I was really happy right, when I bought my first car. Uh, I was really happy when I moved to my house. And it's like in every stage of my life, it, oh, I cannot be happy, happier yeah. than what I am now. Mm-hmm. But it's because you will find ways to be happy. But I, still, I see people that they just find ways to be miserable. So yeah. with money. Yeah. Um, what can you share? Wait, I'm just reading these. What can you share about the way? No. OK, so what would you tell somebody who feels like giving up? Hmm. Uh, I understand most people will give up, and I think that's the nature of the world. Uh, so don't be like everybody else. I love that. I love it. Um, and how much of your success would you attribute to luck? It's a debate. I was talking to, to, to my dad, actually, about that the other day. I think you need, you need to have some luck. Mm-hmm. I need to, I mean, I, uh, people say, like, no, it's not. There's a saying, I love this saying, oh, the harder I work, the luckier I get. I get, which I believe in that too. Mm-hmm. It's like when you really focus and you're really immersed and you're really passionate, everything goes right. It's, it's funny, right? Yeah. Because you, you, you maybe you, you know to take the right decisions, you know what to do. But I mean, I think, I mean, you, you, you want to call it blessings or you want to call it universe or whatever you believe in. We want the specific percentage, Ray. No, <laughs> you need a little bit of luck, right? You need yeah. a little bit of luck. Um, actually, you kind of mentioned this. You already mentioned about what causes you want to give back to, and you, or what problems you'd like to solve. So I'm gonna—that's a duplicate question. So, um, what mindfulness practices? This is from this is from uh, Rachel Perez. What mindfulness practices do you use in your daily life to stay focused and stay centered? Yeah, exercise. Exercise for me is big, right? Uh, so I do. I think two things I always advise. Exercise, not only because you want to be healthy and look good, but it really clears your mind. I can tell you how many times I have gotten into the gym and I was just overwhelmed or just upset and got out of there mm-hmm. like nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then don't let yourself um, immerse into negative news. So I always tell people, do not watch news. There's no point on it. Mm-hmm. Be informed. I mean, but with the, with the phone, you can see the headlines. That's yeah. all you need to know. Uh, if you want, if, if, if you need to know about something, and don't let yourself into rabbit holes of negativity, or even on social media and all that. So, I think those—if you do those things—you you will stay positive, right? Amazing. That's most of the questions. Those were good. Thank you. All right, thank you. That Very was good. good. Anything good. else you want to go into? Um, give us some uh, tips for people that try to get work-life balance, or not as much as more like a family kids mm-hmm. business balance because you've been doing it since 18 yes you've done this very <laughs> successfully very effectively so uh, what would you tell people yeah um i have a saying actually i was going to put in the wall in my office that says you can you know that they said you cannot have it all mm-hmm. i think you can have it all right i do think that it's time for everything uh once again if you really follow a plan on the daily basis right 
and then you can balance quality. It's not about quantity of time, for example, with your kids. It's not about the quantity of the time that you give to your kids. For me, it's the quality of the time that you give to your kids. Um, so when you're there, you're present. You're, correct. Yeah. Be present. Be intentional. Right. Uh, for example, with my wife, I always said, I want to be intentional about doing day nights. Right. I want to be intentional about spending certain slots of times during the week with her. With my family, I want to be intentional about, hey, listen, uh, say my siblings, we haven't had fun together in a couple of months. Let's do something. Because I let, I think people just let themselves go with whatever happens on the daily basis instead of being intentional of how you're going to spend your time. And uh, so I always say, okay, after a day of work or after a day of activities, I always ask myself, how was this day impactful for me? Mm -hmm. Right? Say, for example, I took the day off because it was my girl's birthday a couple of days ago. And I took her to different places. To, she wanted to go to Target and she wanted to go to one of these indoor uh, parks. And for me, it was powerful right? because it was important for me. I don't do that all the time, but I did it that day. That's it. And so for me, it's being intentional, have a plan. And, and, and depending on what's important for you, make sure that you are cultivating those, those moments, right? And, and that there is time for everything, even for exercise, right? Uh, I decided, what was it now, like nine years ago, that I want to I wanna get fit and want to be healthy. And it's a non-negotiable for me. I will go to the gym no matter what, one hour a day. So it's a non-negotiable. If you do non-negotiables in your life, it's like, this is a non-negotiable, non-negotiable. There are there's so many hours of the day. You know, I see people say, I don't have time. Really, you don't have time? Let me see how, how long you spend on social media. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I bet you spend 20. I, I did that exercise recently. That's how you make money, though. You text and scroll, right? <laughs> right, that, right. And then my, I don't even have to do anything. Just be positive and be on Instagram. Uh, um, so I go, uh, uh, 20 hours. How much can you do in 20 hours? Listen, you can do so much and still have time to watch an hour of TV. Yeah. I don't believe in the extremes. Like, don't watch TV. Don't do something. Listen, I watch TV. I go out. How many emails do you respond in a day? Oof. A lot. Okay. I haven't thought about it, but I wouldn't say less than 40 emails. Um, Interesting. No less than that. No. Okay. No. And way more text messages. So, okay. So, I mean, the, the, because that's the other thing. The phone gives you the, fle the flexibility, right, of, of working, of taking the fast decisions, the important decisions. But once again, you have to balance everything. I think uh, an unbalanced life is when you say, I'm just going to dedicate all my time to work. How about the family? Oh, I'm going to dedicate all my time to my kids. Yeah, but the kids need a future. So mm -hmm. <laughs> you yeah. cannot just spend all the time with yeah. your kids. Oh, I'm going to be all the time with my wife traveling. I think many times yeah. it's just excuses for people that don't want to do one job and they're just going to that zone and they said, I'm, I'm only over here because X, Y, Z. Instead of say, well, I'm not building the business because it's not secure, so I'd rather get that day job. And because it's not secure, I don't want to say I don't want to start it because it's not a good excuse because that's, that's the investment. You go into the unknown and you're putting your time, perhaps money. And they'll go and they'll say, I want to be more with my kids. But you just said, what do I need to do to make money? I'm just telling you. And it's like, and that's, right. that's one of the reasons. It's ask yourself, am I giving myself? Don't lie to yourself. Don't give yourself the excuse. Maybe to others, but ask yourself deeply. Is it one thing about be intentional. I mean, if you're building a business and you're building a family, if you want to build yourself, you have to be intentional and say, if I want to build myself, I really have to spend some time reading a book yes. or listening to a podcast. 
I have to do it. I don't feel like it, but it's part of your goals. You have to do it. Are you building a family? You have to spend time, quality time with your family. You're building a business. You have to know how to balance your business. But yeah, I like, I like that. I think people create excuses in their heads. Yeah. And you, because you tend to do the things that you like to do, not the things that you have to of do. Of course, yeah. Right? Yeah, you're more emotional, right? Your decisions are emotional and they're being justified by rational explanation, but they are emotional. So when you don't want to go to the gym, you'll tell all the stories of the why. Right? There, there is going to be a story why, but you, you can shoot holes into that story in a second if you just want to. You just, but the the core, the bottom line is, you're lying to yourself. Yeah, I don't, I don't like that saying that says, um, "Do what you love and you work, work another day in your life." Ah, it doesn't you. make it doesn't make sense. Thank like, you. If you love fifty percent of what you do, you're lucky. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you're lucky. So uh, it's not like you're not gonna work another day of your life. It's not realistic. You have to do things that you don't like yeah. and then enjoy the result, right? But you have to enjoy the journey too. So what I do is, in anything I do, even if I don't like it trying to find my way to enjoy it, right? And running companies, for example, there's so many things that should. I would actually say that, that I would actually say that when you truly are not doing anything that's uncomfortable, it's actually not a very good life. Yeah. It's not a good life at all. And that's actually, in my opinion, why people retire, then they die. Absolutely. They, they die the second they stop trying to progress. And you actually, not just like metaphorically, like people that actually stop Literally. working, they're healthy, no, there are studies about that. Right? And then they, and then like five years, ten years, their Boom. health deteriorates yeah. immensely. Not everybody, but it does happen. There are so, studies about that because yeah. you, you have to have a reason to yeah. keep going. The self-actualization, I, I think that's the term. You need a self-actualization to know that you're here because you're important and you're in the middle of building something so you don't disrupt your 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 mind with with negative thoughts, with everything else, right? If you if you go to any elderly community and uh, a central village over here, what you're going to find is that they'll call for maintenance for every little problem. You, you, the worst people you can rent the house to is uh, all people that do nothing because <laughs> they're home all day and they have nothing else to do but complain, right? <laughs> when you're busy doing something, you don't care about that little noise coming from the... You don't care about all those stuff. It doesn't bother your life. And that's where people start deteriorating. I love that. Yeah. I love that. No, but uh, I love what you said too about comfort zone. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's something we always have to ask ourselves. If I'm really comfortable, there's something wrong, right? If you're not uncomfortable, you're not growing. It's like a muscle. You yeah. have to break the muscle for the muscle to grow. So you have to break in yourself all the time for you to grow. And once you grow, now you, because you know that they always say, be outside your comfort zone. I tell people, no, expand your comfort zone. Mm, I love right. that. So you keep expanding awesome. your comfort zone, right? I love it. You heard what Elon Musk said when they asked him, what, do you have, what advice do you have for people who want to be entrepreneurs? I didn't hear that. Well, Did I, you hear I've that? I've seen a couple uh, clips said, of him, but... If I need to convince you to be an entrepreneur, then don't be an entrepreneur. Oh, yeah. That's that was, good advice. <laughs> <laughs> like, do you understand how many raining days you're going to have? <laughs> moments that you're going to doubt yourself, that you're going to think you're not the right person. You're going to have all those moments that you're going to say... I wish I just had a stable job that I can just pay the bills because I don't have money to pay. It's just all those moments that are tough and you said, do I really want to go through it? But somehow some people prevail and make it through the other side. Yeah, it's a trade-off. for everyone. It's a trade-off, right? Yes. So, I mean, you can find a great job or a college, find a great job and make $200,000 a year. That's good. You mm -hmm. make a good life out of it, right? And you know it's stable, you know it's predictable. I mean, you can get far, but yeah. it's very predictable normally. And then you're in business, and you don't know. and you're growing, and there are days that you're just like, how many lawsuits times? are on you? Defamation is—it's all on you. No, how many times you're gonna say I'm out of cash, or yes. yeah. I don't know what to do tomorrow is? But then you—it's a trade-off because then you have the flexibility, 
You have not only the potential of building unlimited wealth, but the flexibility, the freedom. And that's what I always tell people too who want to be market partners. I cannot believe you don't want to get freedom and be free of, mm -hmm. of, of your time, right? And working on your own terms. Not work less. Because being an entrepreneur is not working about working less. It's about working more. It's about having more stress. But it's about, about being free, right? And I think that's the most powerful thing that we entrepreneurs have. You can create your own liabilities, yeah. your own, your own uh, I would say, uh, obligations. You create your own obligations. Yeah. Everything you're doing as an entrepreneur, you're doing it for yourself, so it's much more digestible for your, in your own hand versus someone else telling you what to do. Right, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but you have to have the self-discipline, yes. and you have to have the, the courage, and you have to have the mental strength. I think the number one thing, right? People don't have mental strength. Right, uh, be pragmatic and have the mental strength to know that there is no plan B. I was talking about the plan B because I think that too. If you're always thinking, well, you know what, worst case scenario, and that happens a lot in this business, in my business, because you, it's easy to get in, it's easy to get out, right? Mm -hmm. If you invest a hundred thousand dollars of your life savings into, say, a restaurant or a spa, and you're gonna do everything in your power to make it work, because that's it, right? You put all this money that took you years to save. If you put $200, mm -hmm. you'll find an excuse to quit fast, mm -hmm. right? So it's easy, easy out, and that's the thing. It's like, treat this as a business and really fight for your dreams and know that it's a level playing field. If there's hundreds and thousands of people doing it, making it work, what's the difference? The difference is you. So, so yeah. do you have this data on, among your, your partners, the, the people that commission people, if, if you see a group of few that started together and they're doing good, all of them are mostly going to do good versus randomly people that come in by themselves and they'll just give up because they don't have a network of friends that are doing the same thing successfully to give them the motivation to know it's possible. You it's, don't have that data? It's No, but I can tell you, it doesn't make a difference. Really? It doesn't make a difference. I have it. Or, I mean, I have... I have market partners that have come with um, being influencers, right, already. And they have this huge network. A few have make it work. I mean, big. And some, they never work Nothing. Them, right? I have had people that came with their Instagram, with 100 people on their Instagram, and they have gone all the way to the top. Wow. I have people that have come and have been lucky to get a great upline. So a great people, person that brought them and mentored them. I have people that have been successful. So mentoring sales. is important in your business? It is very important. Interesting. It's very important. Uh, but, hey, I have people that have come without a great mentor and still... Made it. They made it. They found their way. We offer a lot of resources, right? Uh, we have virtual trainings. We have events, training events that the corporation does. And and do have a lot of support in the community. They find ways. So it's not really... There is not really one way that you say, this is the key. Mm -hmm. right? No. It's about the person. The person makes a difference. Um, last question I had. Uh, you mentioned comfort zones, and obviously you said like expand your comfort zone. I love that. What are you working on right now? What is your what? You know, you built a great company, obviously very successful. What are you doing to push yourself out of your own comfort zone or expand your comfort zone? Well, um, I always want to be a, be a better leader, right? So I think once you you grow a certain size of company, you have executive teams, I have hundreds of thousands of people looking up to me and try myself to be a better a better leader, right? And leadership, it's a whole topic. Uh, so trying to be that level five leader mm -hmm. is what I'm trying to strive for. Beautiful. Amazing. 
All right, that's it, man. Thank Ray, you so much. Thank you so much. Right. That was amazing. Right. Thank well, you very much. Enjoy the conversation. Me too. Me too. Brother, thanks for We're coming. We're going to have you coming again. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions. Same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.